Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Franny Tacey. She is owner and creative visionary for a series of businesses, Franny's Farm, Franny's Manufacturing, Franny's Distribution, and Franny's Pharmacy, which is a franchise uh, model we're going to hear a lot more about. I'm excited for this. Franny's been in the business for a long time and has some really great insights and has some great experiences around really what it takes to build businesses in the cannabis space, in the hemp space. And we're going to have a conversation with her, hear the story and hear what she's doing today and and where the opportunities are for people to really get involved in the exciting space of hemp, exciting space of cannabis. With that, Franny, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Bruce. It's glad to be here. I'm glad to be here and I really appreciate the conversations and the information you get out to everybody. So looking forward to our conversation. Well, likewise, likewise. Before we get into kind of all the details of what you're working on right now, let's hear a little bit of the backstory because I know you've been involved in this for a while. Obviously, you've you've created a whole series of businesses. I'm sure they each have long, detailed stories. We could do whole episodes around all of them. But give us a little bit of the history. Like, how did you, how do you get involved in cannabis? 
How did you start building these businesses? Give us the uh, give us the background. Yeah, well, all of those really stream from um, you know I was in pharmaceuticals for over a decade, and they called me the hippie and I heels. And ended up getting this farm, buying this farm. It had always been a passion. My dad was a cattle farmer and had been doing regenerative ag. It's always been this hobby of mine to be in farming and agriculture. And I do have a forestry degree, but it wasn't until years after our farm that hemp came on the radar. And I was just so supported what that was all about because how it fit into this sustainable regenerative model of farming I was doing. And I was teaching business of farming classes at the time. Mm -hmm. So it took a good year. We had to raise $200,000, 100,000 signatures, develop a hemp commission to get, because it was illegal at the time, for North Carolina to get an industrial hemp pilot program. Yeah. So we were the ninth state to come online, and I ended up being the first female farmer in North Carolina to plant hemp. And then apparently the first person in the country that actually did a TED Talk on hemp as a crop. Everything had really been based around marijuana. And, you know, I just came out and was like, I just love this plant. I've always been an advocate for cannabis. And I fell in love with hemp when I figured out it was the only crop that could feed, close shelter, and provide medicine. I said, I want to work for this plant. I'm sick of working for pharmaceuticals. (laughs) And then then the whole story of all these other businesses merges from that crossroad. Yeah, yeah. So when was this? Give us us some time frames again. 2017. Got it. Got it. And how did things unfold? I mean, it sounds like, you know, starting with the agricultural side, but, you know, obviously you've added a series of businesses to this. What was the, you know, kind of series of events that led you to kind of set up these other entities and how did that go? Well, so the first year we planted was doing tons of research, did tons of collaborations. When you're the first, you start trying to figure out like, well, what happens about the next steps? How do we turn Mm -hmm. this into a viable business? This was always what we've been talking about. How do we make this a business? And so we did educational festivals, partnered with NC State, started a women in hemp nonprofit, brought in researchers, started working with geneticists. So when we rolled into 2018, we're like, all right, everything changed from that first year. We're like, we need to grow CBD if we want to have a business, you know, cannabis crop for CBD production. And so we did that. And then we're like, all right, now we're going to do, we're going to create a plant that has potential. What are we going to do? We ended up selling seven acres of our farm to have the funding to build our first dispensary. And so, you know, at that time, we're looking and dealing with all our product developers. And we didn't have our own distillate. We didn't have any of our own stuff then. That was our first CBD crop. So we learned how to white label, private label, how to process. And in that first year, we switched. By the time we did our first crop, we had established partnerships to do all that. Started our first dispensary, started making products with our own distillate, partnered with processors. The first dispensary funded the second dispensary, funded manufacturing, funded the third dispensary, which funded distribution. So everybody had a hub to buy from, which Mm -hmm. then rolled into franchising. And that was all two years. I mean, it was hit the ground running. That is, yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) Yes. And it takes amazing teamwork. We've got, I've had a partner all along this way that's been very involved in business. We've had people, it's just been an amazing collaboration, but we have always been, we, and we still are privately held except for a few stock campaigns that we had opened up in our distribution to help fund that and get it going. 
We did a crowdfunding, one of the first in the country to do that, and raised about half a million dollars in within the first week. And that was an amazing. So, yeah. So I'm curious for your own kind of journey along this, what are some of the things that as you got into this venture that you kind of knew you needed to kind of learn and you know, how you were going to have to change to successfully run these organizations? And then, and what things were you not aware of or kind of, kind of surprised you that you had to learn along the way in terms of, you know, just how you were thinking and the skills you had to develop and the approaches and the strategies? Like, what, w- what was your kind of transformation like over this path? That is a great question. And I'll just start it by saying nothing in cannabis is business as usual. Yeah. Been an entrepreneur, had several businesses before, mm-hmm. and I've been growing my whole life. Like I said, it was a hobby. So there was that first just learning how to grow and the intricacies of the plant and the processing. And I love research. I come from science and research. And so that was a lot of the fun part. But the real struggles and challenges came from everything, like trying to find somebody that would even lease us a space to have yeah. a cannabis business. I mean, that has just not even been heard, even in our liberal town of Asheville. Mm-hmm. And then you get into there's no advertising and Facebook and all in social media, there's no traditional means, especially this was two years before it even became federally legal, no traditional means to market your business. So you can start coming like, I mean, I've been in marketing, sales and marketing for my whole life, my professional career to shift and say like, all right, how do we figure this out? What does this mean? We've had four websites that were shut down. Every processor we had was shut down. How do we get people want to give us their money and we can't even take it? Um, And we want to. We all, I mean, how do you create that win-win cycle? We've been shut down by every processor. PayPal still has $16,000 of ours and they took money. PayPal took money from our nonprofit. You know, so you're like, what? Totally just Every time, I mean, over and over for two years, I find myself throwing my hands up and saying, are you kidding me? Even now it's federally legal. And that's part of the reason that we were so motivated to start franchising because there's nothing is the same. And we had to figure all this out. And there's been, I call it hemp fever. Everybody got in. They're like, we know the opportunities there, going to make a ton of money. But even people that have been entrepreneurs come up against these roadblocks or they're really hurdles, but they do become roadblocks for a lot of people. You know, we ended up having to have our own server. Bottom line, you you just aren't going to get hosted with places. We have a bank. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was getting shut down by processors and we had to figure it all out. And it wasn't easy. Lots of it's not mistakes. It's just learnings, (laughs) learning opportunities. These businesses wanted to do business with us, like, for instance, all our local media, but they're owned by these big media companies. So we got one. We got one radio commercial out there before the bigwigs came down from corporate and said, oh, my gosh, you can't do that. <laughs> and they had to halt it. And the same with TV. And there's a lot of people that we got one or two of them out there. Same with social media. We got a few ads out there and boom, you get shut down. Uh-huh. So there's all this optimism and then you feel like a little crushed and then you just knock off the dust and get up and yeah, change. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious to get you. I mean, you mentioned that there's been a lot of interest in hemp, particularly on the CBD market. What's your kind of take, I guess, over, you know, the last year or two of, 
you know, the market in, in terms of, you know, I guess, how do you characterize it? What do you seen? What have the dynamics have been? Like, how has it impacted you? What's the, I guess, what is the state of hemp as a crop? And where do you see the opportunities? Where do you see not opportunities? And how is this playing out? I love this question, and it's deep. We could talk for days on it. We do workshops on this whole thing, but I want to start with personally why I've been so committed no matter what comes my way because of the personal impact it has had before me physically and in my own health being woman at 50, just all the benefits that I had and very healthy, but it changed everything for me. My dog who's 15 next month and would get to celebrate his birthday when I didn't know he would even live three years ago and the impact it's had in my family and my friends and knowing the invisible impact it's had on the tens of thousands of people that our products have gotten to. That is the motivation that keeps us going. Now, when we get into the business opportunities, you know, I said that hemp is the only crop that can feed, clothes, shelter and provide medicine. The business opportunity right now, without a doubt, has been in the CBD market. Topicals have no restrictions. So that's been one way to enter in. There's a lot of obstacles right now if you're getting into edibles, which people are interested in, any of the food items, which includes pet products. But CBD is a viable, very viable market right now. For the farmers, that's a whole different conversation. And I love Mm -hmm. our farmers and we try to buy from farmers and not deal with brokers. But CBD right now, that's it. I mean, there is just it's an untapped market. And so if you look at your bell curve, I mean, we haven't even close to approach the top. But the other markets that are emerging are fiber. Fiber is huge. There is we moved all our industry outside of this country. It's starting to come back. We have got our entire Midwest. I mean, our lands need to be regenerated. We're losing our topsoil. Fiber, hemp for fiber is one of the only crops that we can really grow that will remediate and regenerate our soils. And it makes super great economic sense as an agroeconomy. So we see that bell curve, that emerging right now along the same lines. And then Food, our food items, there is a huge market for food. We're going to see some of this like because pharmaceuticals got into the CBD market. It raised a lot of awareness for it as there's more and more larger food companies integrating hemp into foods. We're going to see that curve increase as well. There's a lot of obstacles to that. But then the side effects from the fiber, the herd and the byproducts from that are what build it. building industry. There's a lot of stuff going on. So these are all bell curves. And beyond just hemp as a crop for what it can do, anybody that wants to be in this space can do that. If you are anything, I mean, accounting, nursing, banking, education, every industry, every profession really can link into this industry as well. So there's huge opportunities everywhere beyond just the crop and what product it creates. So, yeah, hemp. Yeah. I'm curious, for these companies that, that sort of what I call pivot into cannabis, right, pivot into hemp, you know, that are, you know, whether they're lawyers, accountants, marketing services, you know, all these things that are established businesses or they're, you know, known businesses in other industries or out there in the economy and, and they're, they want to kind of come into the hemp cannabis market. Or is there anything you've found that are good indicators around who is successful in making that pivot and who is not or, or what 
either mindset or capabilities or approach or strategy you need to have to successfully come into cannabis? Because I find it's not, it doesn't always work. <laughs> or at least, that's you know, that's true. not always a successful transition. What have you noticed in terms of people that have been successful in making that transition? Well, I know the people that have been successful too are also people we collaborate with and, and partner with and incorporate. And what I find in the initial thing, it's the attitude and the energy and the motivation of what they bring. Yeah. Because if they're not, if they're looking short-sighted as this is money and we're going to capitalize on it and ABC, very linear, you do this, we do this, this is how it works. They are going to fail without a doubt because that's not, this business is not linear. It's not business as usual. They have yeah. to be very outside the box thinkers, motivated by challenges and you know, collaborations, they have got to be forward thinking, not traditional, traditional methods are not going to no. work for those people. You And that comes beyond just thinking and experience. It comes from the inside. Yeah. And I'm curious in, in terms of the um, kind of how you see this market. I mean, given that on the on the, the marijuana side, we're so state by state based I and mean, we have all these kind of basically mini economies in each state. You know, hemp is federally legalized through the farm bill, but are, like, how do these things overlap? How are they similar? How are they different? How do you approach them? You know, from a sort of geography point of view, are, have you do you find that you know there's more success or, or it's easier to have success when you're really kind of kind of focused on a, a on a region or a state or or an area, or are you really kind of looking at a global or a you know at least a national, if not a international kind of model for how you build? you know, these businesses? That's a really good question. You know, being vertically integrated has helped, but in hemp, because we can ship all over the country, but there are still, it is federally legal, but it is an unregulated market. There is so much, every single state that comes online, even though it's federally legal, not all states are growing because yeah. the state still has to have a plan to manage it. Interesting. So there's still interstate commerce issues. Smokable hemp has come up every state that comes online. It is a legal battle for every state. If they have dispensaries or CBD stores, whatever you want to call them, they're dealing with a lot of the same challenges you do in the marijuana industry. Yeah. So just because it's federally legal, that has not stopped anything. You know, we are doing business in four states. So with each state and as we franchise, we look at new states that we're entering. Some of them are more viable than others. Yeah, curious. What makes them more valuable or less viable from your point of view? Well, for one, if they already have a program where farmers are growing, it's going to be a better industry from there forward because the state and there's people already involved in it. There's yeah. a lot of states right now that have gotten, they're just not even growing hemp yet. So it seems like a CBD store. That's great. There's nobody in the market. But that store owner's got to know how to navigate a whole bunch of stuff that comes. And if they have interstate commerce issues, then how can they get their products? And smokable hemp is really, it's one of the top selling products across any industry. And a store needs to have that to be profitable. And there's a lot of states where that's just not going to happen right now. Or if it does, it's going to, you've got a lot more hurdles to get to time and money to make it happen. So it's very yeah. interesting. And, you know, the FDA just put out today or, and the DEA that they're extending and relinquishing a lot of these terms that they had put on farmers for October 31st. We have our second dispensary going in Georgia. One of them, we were going to be growing there. And last year with COVID, they didn't grow. It was a program that was viable, but people couldn't actually get their license. Yeah. 
And so it's very interesting. It is very state by state. Do your research, understand what's happening because there is no universal plan that fits all of them. Yeah. I'm curious on the product side. I mean, I, you can put CBD, you can use hemp in so many different ways and so many different formats. Like what are you seeing in terms of what's actually sort of, what is the market kind of demanding in terms of types of products, what's in the products? What have you noticed on the sort of the consumer demand side of things? Yeah. I love this question because I'm the spreadsheet market mm. geek on this And I always look like what's in our top 10 selling quantity and what's in our top revenue generators. And consistently, it has always been that whole first year, tinctures, oil drops, whatever people call them, are always in the top. Our hemp healing salve is a topical, which is great for a lot of people. These topicals are really popular. You don't have to worry about THC, drug testing. They go on the point of pain, always in the top. Gummies, our gummies are all natural. So we color them with like turmeric and spirulina and all these other things without a doubt are the top chocolates. So some of these edibles, they're things that people enjoy on a daily basis. Yeah. And smokable hemp is just, it's huge. People love to smoke. We're in the South. I mean, I went to ag school at UT Knoxville for a year and <laughs> they still had ashtrays. It was the first year yeah, exactly. <laughs> in 1988 was the first year you couldn't smoke in the classroom and they still had desks with ashtrays on them. Yeah. I'm curious on the smokable hemp. I mean, do you see this? Is this from a customer segment point of view? Is this just yet another product that people are, are you know, adding to their whole kind of routines and they'll get gummies and they'll get tinctures and they'll get a smokable hemp? Or is this like a, just a different category of people who are looking for something to smoke and are moving towards smokable hemp as, a, you know, a better, different alternative? It's really part of the whole, a lot of the people that are smoking hemp, they came from smoking marijuana. Let's just yeah. face it. And what's happened over the last decade in marijuana is like they're able, they've been working on these genetics. They can be hyperbred for THC. And we know like in extreme amounts, it can actually cause paranoia. And people are trying to, oh, yeah. hemp is an anti-anxiety. Yeah. I call it the hug, anti-inflammatory. It's the, you know, everybody calm down. So they're looking for that. And that's a lot of times what, Cigarette smokes does. So this is smokable hemp is really an alternative for a lot of people or in addition to a lot of people that are really smoking. I don't think most people ever come in and be like, I want to start smoking. They've already had experience smoking somewhere and it is a good alternative in addition to usually other products they're using. They're also using gummies and tinctures, which are some of the baselines, the edibles and yeah. And are you seeing the same kind of um, fascination with cultivars on the hemp side as marijuana? I mean, marijuana, we have all these, you know, the cultivars and people are, you know, always, always looking for some new, some new genetics and new hybrids, you know, because it's got, you know, certain profiles, certain flavors. And do you have the same kind of um, same thing happening on the, you know, not non-THC hemp side of the market? Yes. And it's super exciting. I know that was something I was really into on the, the front end. I was like, Who's doing these genetics? So we're involved with Front Range Biosciences and Triangle Hemp in genetic trials. And we actually are bringing one that we've been working on that was 
has was just a number on our farm in all these trials and is now named after our donkey, Abigail. It was the first one I that it. I brought to name. I was like, are we going to be able to make that sexy? Because people like the ones that have wild and wonderful names, right? Yeah. But yeah. we're doing more and more of this. And yes, people are interested. And CBG and all these different yeah. varieties now are really starting to become more and more and more popular. I think we've got 30 different varieties that were in test Last year we had 30 and I took five that I liked. I'm like, scratch all those. That was just a mm-hmm. whole lot of time, energy and effort. These are the five we like that work in our environment. And we also have a collective of farmers that we buy from that we have involved. So with Franny's Farm, I'm, I'm super anal. We could say seed to shelf. So mm-hmm. our products, you can track on the QR code back to the farm it grew on. And so all our farmers that we buy from, especially that go into our baseline products, we like to get involved in our trials with NC State and our genetic companies so that we're all in this collective. It's a, it's working for a bigger purpose. Yeah. So let's talk about the franchise a little bit, because I think that it's a fascinating way or it's certainly a, an interesting way to scale a business. And, you know, in terms of cannabis, I can see having some advantages. I can see having some complexities. But tell us about the decision and the process for, you know, choosing franchising as a way to kind of grow and scale quickly. What have you learned? What's working? What's not? What are the, give us the insights. So franchising is a model that everybody is familiar with. I like to think outside the box and all great ideas, but ultimately franchising is something that people understand and makes sense and is a very Mm -hmm. scalable model. So especially when an industry is outside the box, we went with this traditional method we have and it's everything is just like you would expect training manuals we have all the designs we've got different levels you've got a mid-grade level or a high-end level you can design your store out we do all everything we take all the guesswork out of it and our marketing team is working with them on everything they need to know there but the grand openings are some of the stuff that is the most fun because We get a lot of press around our grand openings just because of the story. So we go in and we do these four and five day grand openings where we have pets and we have food and we bring in lots of just education (laughs) and fun, music, samples, tastings, and it really engages the community. So, you know, my personal philosophy is when you start, don't don't just dip your toes in the water. Go ahead and jump off the cliff. That's what I did. It's a hell of a lot easier. And this allows you to jump off the cliff, get engaged, and start making your money within two months return on your investment at the time you sign that lease. So, yeah. you know, we date before then, but once we are committed in our contract and we find your space, it's really quick to get up and open and start getting your return on your investment. There's ongoing training. And then again, you know, I love the fun part. The training is you come to Asheville, North Carolina, coolest place in one of the top 10 places in the world to visit. You get to stay on Franny's farm and lodge, depending on what season you're in. There may or may not be hemp in the field. (laughs) So they actually stay on Franny's farm. They're training in our corporate office. They're training in our event center on the farm. And that is where all of our businesses, they get to go through distribution, manufacturing, our three dispensaries within 30 miles, train with our bud tenders. It's like this, all right, here we go. Come on into the folds. It's all Mm -hmm. right there. So it's a great business model, but it feels so good, you know, we're so disconnected right now. It's good to be supported yeah. beyond manuals. 
Yeah, exactly. And somebody and sending you, you an email. Like when you're when you're talking to potential franchisees and uh, you know the the process that you use to kind of evaluate and kind of interview folks. Tell us about the process. What are you looking for? What makes for a good franchisee from your point of view? What kind of skills, capability, mindset, experience works well for you? Well, we always get into, I mean, mindset is absolutely huge. And I will tell you, we have a franchise development company that does a lot of the screening. So we're getting people that are already vetted. By the time they come in, they are excited. They are super excited to already meet us and to see what's going on and to get these tours. We're meeting for discovery days. On the front end, first and foremost, because getting loans in this business is difficult, we have some alternate financing, but you've got to really be able to qualify. And it's about $125,000 to $175,000 investment to open a franchise. So there's definitely eligibility criteria. We take a lot of the guesswork. We've got a pharmacist, we have school teacher, we have somebody that had come from an entrepreneurial background whose wife is an ag. You know, we've got somebody that came from the military. We've got all sorts of different people. And mindset is one of the most important things. Having some business experience obviously is a good criteria. And you got to meet the financial requirements. And from there, you know, the people that are interested, they're sold on getting involved with something that works and being a part of something bigger. And that's what's great. I mean, these are people that are, they come in vacation on my farm. You know, I don't even know they're there sometimes. I'll get a message Mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, we're in a cabin. Might we be able to catch you? Mm -hmm. So they're really interested in the big picture and where we're going right now. It's a great opportunity because we have eight franchises. We're about to open our ninth. You know, it's still startup. It's still yeah. startup. So this is a great opportunity for people to get in. It's really amazing. It's affordable. We've got a lot of people right now that are looking for new opportunities. Like me in pharmaceuticals, I knew what my road was going to be. I was making yeah. a good income. You know, I had, what, four or $500,000 in a 401k or IRA, which isn't enough to retire on. You don't want to cash out and start a new business. And you're sick of working for other people. Yeah. You know, they're like, it's a nice kind of blended. Like it, it gives you a chance to be entrepreneurial with not as many of the risks and kind of uncertainties. Yes. You hit the yeah. nail on the head. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah. And where do you want to be? I mean, if you look out, you know, two, three years here where if things go well and you grow, what is, uh, what does the business look like? Well, the plans are in motion to be (laughs) very, very big. We like starting on the East Coast, which we already have, and our expansions intend to happen there. But there's stuff opening up, you know, worldwide. I've been connected with people all over the world in this industry through different levels, you know, farming being one of them and products. So there's a huge potential for that. And obviously the passion and what I started out with, there is still fiber and food. So Franny's brand is expanding and it will all feed in to growing something that makes a difference for just more and more. The objective is to help a billion people in the next few years. And it doesn't take that much. You know, a thousand times a thousand is a million times a thousand. I mean, we're on our way. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of magnitudes. Franny, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the business, about the opportunities, what's the best way to get that information? So our website has got everything from investing to franchising to wholesaling to private labeling. And and you can order our products from there. And that is Franny's Pharmacy.com. So Franny's with a Y. 
And pharmacy is F-A-R-M, putting the farm back in pharmacy right where it belongs. And then for me personally, if you want to follow me and this wild and crazy path I'm on and get some behind the scenes stuff, that's my name, Franny Tacey and Franny's Farm. All you got to do is Google it. We're on social media everywhere and come visit us. Come stay at the farm and learn more. I, well, I'll take you up on that as soon as we as soon as we're kind of lifted on some of this travel <laughs> restrictions and craziness. I would love to come down to Asheville. It would be beautiful. I'll make sure that all the links and everything are in the show notes so people can get that information, click through. Franny, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.